Lord, we love you and we thank you today for this passage of scripture. We ask that you would open it up to our hearts and our lives as, as you did to King David and gave him those words. Speak to our hearts today through not only the words that he wrote, but the life that he lived. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Honest to God. Honest to God. We have read these verses, so I am going to move you through them. Without hope, Hopefully I will not injure the... Uh, program so we get into a problem but I have just clicked through a bunch of verses that we've already read and I'm going to share with you one verse at a time and I, and I guess could you believe I did just mess things up <laughs> please don't do this to me today I'm coming back to where you are there's what I'm looking for okay Told you it's a little bit about hypocrisy, right? A friend of mine, a long time ago, when we became friends back before high school, visiting with him, sitting on his front porch, looking across the street at a church that I'm very familiar with. People, understand, I don't mean the building. Yes, I've been in the building. Church is not the building. The church is the people. And he began to relate to me why he felt so uncomfortable being a part or going to attend. And he did go and he did try. And I've encouraged him to continue to try. I don't know if he has at this moment in time. But really what it came down to was not only, not what you think when I use the word hypocrite, that there are hypocrites in the church. The problem for him was really the problem of being a hypocrite himself. I want you to think about a few things I'm going to say to you just now, and I hope that you'll hear them with the love with which I try to say them to you. I'm going to talk about a few churches that I've served. I want you to think about these things as I say them to you. I have served a church at one point in time where two families who knew each other all of their lives since, since way, way back, they would worship in the same building, but they would not speak to each other. I love, and I still love those people to this day. I once served a church where a couple in the church hid tens of thousands of dollars from all of the rest of the congregation in a shoebox. They were certificates under their bed. You've heard that story from me before. Church had received a very large inheritance, and this couple went and bought an organ and had it delivered and installed and everything you do without telling another soul in the church. It caused real angst. All while having a similar relationship to the one I just told you about a moment ago where two families couldn't get along, where, where two people in those two, family, two families couldn't get along, one of which was this one I'm telling you about. But what really made it tacky or bad or worse for me was that one was the lay leader and one was the chairman of the administrative board. They couldn't speak to each other. I love and still love those people, the one that's left living to this day. I've also served a couple of churches where nobody was so exciting. They were just pretty run-of-the-mill. 
And I love those people and still love those people to this day. I served a church where my predecessor freeloaded the church with all types of things for me. He hates a certain group of people. He will do this. He will such and such and so and so. I had to sort all that out. And strangely enough, that became one of my favorite places to have served. We did a lot of great things together. And I love, and I love those people to this day. I have served church, a church where there was simple jealousy and pettiness among a few members. Sometimes it made it difficult, but we got on with things. And I loved and love those people to this day. And I currently serve a church, don't I? <laughs> and I love, and I love you to this day. The psalm that we read this morning is a psalm of King David. King David wanted to be, and please hear me, King David wanted to be a king of justice. He wanted to honor God in his life as the king. In the book of Deuteronomy, God had instructed the priests about what would happen. You've got to understand, this is way back, long before David. God had instructed the king, the, the people rather, of how the king would be and what he was to do. And one of the things that they were told to do, the priests were told in Deuteronomy, give the king a copy of the law so he will know how to live justly and he will know how to live according to the principles that I have set up for you. If you were to look and, and hunt for how does God really expect you and I to live justly and honor him, it would probably be in the person of Jesus. And, and God even spoke to Jesus' terms long before Jesus came to earth. A very familiar passage for us is Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 5. You'll recognize it from Christmas, and here's how it goes. There will come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will be on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees or decide or decipher by what he hears. But with righteousness he'll judge the poor. He'll decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He'll strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips. He'll kill the wicked. Righteousness will be the belt of his waist. And faithfulness, the belt of his loins. He's talking about Jesus. And if you and I had to say, what is the standard for us as Christians? What is the, the thing that we ought to live up to? What is our ruler, if you were, or our measuring stick? It would be the Lord Jesus Christ. For me, myself, as a pastor, and for those of you that serve in leadership positions, I believe this matters. Titus 1, 7 to 9 overseer or a, or a leader must be above reproach he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy he must be a hospitable a lover of good things self-controlled upright holy and disciplined they must hold to the trustworthy word as it's taught and they must be able to instruct in that doctrine and able to rebuke those who contradict it you see God has set up a standard King David, all the way back there in Psalm 101, said this, I will sing of the steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. King David is motivated 
by God's love and justice. If you would, he's motivated by the rightness, uh, uh, the moral power of God's authority. God's love and justice is what is going to motivate King David to do the right thing. So much so that he wants to sing about it. The book of Micah, Micah wrote this, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. In Matthew 20, 23, 23, Jesus said, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You tithe, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These are what you should have done without neglecting the others. So David comes along and says, I'll sing of God's love and justice I will make music to God about that. Later, David would say this, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. David continues, I will ponder the way that is blameless. I'll put my mind to it. I was talking with some of the women this morning down the hall, and they were trying to remember a poem that they learned in elementary school. I turned 60 this week. I know I couldn't do it. I don't know how old they are, about 30 or so. It was hard for them to do it, but they couldn't remember the poem. David says, I'm going to learn it. I'm going to ponder it. I'm going to study it. I'm going to read it. Oh, Lord, when will you come to me? Because I will walk with the integrity that you give me in my house. David is committed. David is committed. His blameless life wouldn't be what people see. It would be who he was within his four walls. He was going to truly live a life of honesty and integrity. He said, I'll not set before my eyes anything that I shouldn't. I will hate the work of those who fall away, and it will never cling to me. He will never have anything to do with someone who's not living this life of following God. A godly king that would shun evil. He would cultivate his mind, his heart. He would be sure that the people with whom he had to do would do the same thing. And unlike that verse I read a moment to you, ago to you where he said, I'll ponder the way of the Lord, this is not about his public life. This is about what David would do in private. If you want to know how somebody really is, I used to have a pastor that used to say, if you want to know how somebody really is, look at their checkbook. Look where nobody else can really look. David's saying, I will live in integrity first with myself, then with those around me, and then before this kingdom. A perverse heart will be far from me. I'll know nothing of evil. Well, you've got to understand when he says, I'll know nothing of evil, he's saying, if there's evil in this kingdom, I'll deal with it. Whoever slanders his neighbor, I'll destroy. Whoever has a prideful look and an arrogant heart, I can't put up with that. Some people these days, have you noticed in our society, want to see how far we can go without getting in trouble. David is saying, I'm going to see how little I can do and yet find myself in a bad place. He's saying, sin comes first here, not here. He's talking about false testimony here. He's concerned with the heart of his kingdom and the people in that kingdom. False testimony would injure other people. It could injure their reputation. In a court, it could bring a false verdict. He was going to deal harshly with this kind of thing. 
he was going to say things like this, keep far from a false charge. Do not kill the innocent and the righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. David cared about how people talked and what they said and where their words were coming from. Psalms 15, verses 2 and 3, he's talking about people whose truthful speech was something to be looked at. Think about that for a minute. Somebody that speaks the truth. He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks the truth in his heart, who does not, does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor take up a reproach against his friend. Have you ever noticed? I mean, he, he's, he, he's here saying there are people that deep down can do the right thing. Have you noticed that greed and human pride, the things that David's talked about here, and slander often go together? And have you also noticed that self-denial and love for other people and integrity of heart also go hand in hand? The king is saying we've got to learn how to do the right thing. He says I'll look with favor on the faithful in the land. I'll live with them. He who walks in the way that is blameless will minister to me. And he's saying, I will build up those around me that do the good. He wants the Lord to invite the holy people, the righteous people, people that are really truly following God to surround him in his kingdom. It says, no one who practices deceit can dwell in my house. No one who utters lies will continue before my, before my eyes. David's saying, I am going to build not just a king and a cabinet, if you would, of righteous people. I'm going to see the kingdom change that way. And then he says, morning by morning, I will destroy all the wicked in the land. I will cut off the evildoers from the city of the Lord. Now, as you listen today, you may have thought, boy, Joel, you are really blowing smoke because nobody could live like that. But I want you to remember how the book of Psalms started. The same David wrote these words. This is how the book of Psalms, the very first verse of the book of Psalms. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor seats, sits in the seat of scoffers. That's the ideal. That, that, that is how David started if you would, his hymnal. The blessed man walks not in the counsel of wicked people. He doesn't stand where sinners stand. He'll not sit in the seat of scoffers. But isn't it interesting? And here's where I've been driving the ship this morning, just so you know. Isn't it interesting that this happened in 2 Samuel 11? It happened Late one afternoon, when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about that woman. And one said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. And then she returned to her house. And in the fifth verse, and the woman conceived, and she sent to King David and said, I'm pregnant. Now, let me stop and ask you, 
How could a man that did that write everything else that we read this morning? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. What kind of a human being would do this kind of thing? And just if you're not biblically aware, after David impregnates another man's wife, he sends for her husband who's out fighting the war, has him brought home from the war, and tells him, go and be with your wife tonight, does that for three nights in a row, and all three nights that man is so loyal and so dedicated to the kingdom, so patriotic, if you would, that he doesn't go home, but he sleeps outside the king's door. And when David realized there was no way to cover his sin, he had that man killed. So let's remember what this man said. I'll not put up with evil people. I'll not tolerate those bad people in my kingdom. I'm not going to put up with God. I just want to honor you. And here he's done this. If there was ever going to be the term hypocrite applied, I think it would be right there. How about you? What do you think? But something happened. And that something happens in the 51st Psalm. And you may be asking yourself, Joel, you started us off in the 101st, and now you're going back to the 51st. Before you ask that question, these things are not in historical chronological order. Psalm 51, though, is what happens. Because you see, David has covered his sin. He killed off Uriah the Hittite. He took his wife out of her house and brought him to his. And ultimately, she's pregnant, carries that baby, and the baby dies, if you don't know the story. But he covered up all his sin because he didn't want anyone to know what he'd done. Have you ever been like that? <laughs> don't raise your hands. He thought he could get away with it. But he had a prophet, and that prophet's name was Nathan. And Nathan comes to David and tells him this little story about a man that had one little lamb. And this man who had all the lamb in the world you could ever want, all the sheep you could ever want, took that man's one little lamb and offered it. And King David says, you mean to tell me that he took that other man's little lamb when he had all of those of his own? And Nathan says, yeah. David says, well, that man's got to die. Nathan sticks his finger out at the king and says, you are that man because you took Bathsheba, another man's wife, and you lay with her, and when you couldn't cover up your sin, you had him killed, and you want to let this whole kingdom think that externally you are that guy, but you and I know the truth. Church, can I tell you something? You and I... <laughs> You and God, I and God, know my truth. My kids this week threw a surprise party for me. It was so nice. They had all of their families and then one or two other people who mean a lot to me uh, come and they had this little party. And... I was sitting there enjoying people and enjoying the time. I didn't want it to happen. I knew it was going to happen. But anyway, <laughs> enjoying it. And the thought occurred to me. You know, Rachel has to remember 
that day when she was about three or four years old, in fact, it isn't that she has to remember, I know she remembers, she's told me, that day when she was like three or four years old, and I had lost it at the end of the day, and Janice wasn't around that day, and the kids had been mine for the day, I don't do well with kids at any time. I had Easton yesterday, his other Nana called to say she'd pick him up, I said, no, I'm bringing him to you, you stay right where you're at, we will be there in five minutes. I mean, I just don't do well. And there was this day when Rachel and the kids and Janice is coming home and the house was a mess and I'm telling them pick up and everything else. And there was this little tiny piece of paper on the floor just like that. Smaller than that. And I said, Rachel, you will pick that up. She said, but Daddy, I already clicked. I said, pick, I don't want to hear it. You pick that up. And I said it with a voice four-year-old would never forget she's like 29 now and she still remembers that King David you may be putting it on for everybody out there but you and I know Joel Adkins the church may think that you are wonderful let me tell you something those four kids and my wife they know you understand And what my wife and kids don't know, God knows. And the redeeming fact is that's true for you too. And Nathan says, David, (laughs) you're that guy. And when the conviction of God and when the reality of what he'd done hit him, David penned Psalm 51. And I want to read it to you right here. I won't read the whole thing, but the key parts that I want you to hear, I will. You know it. You've heard it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my sins. Wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only I've sinned. And I've done what's evil in your sight, so you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Purge me with hyssop, I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with your willing spirit. Deliver me, O God, God of my salvation, and then my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Church, What I want you to see is that, yeah, it's hard to be what David wanted to be. In fact, I'd submit to you that it's impossible because the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Somebody asked me yesterday, why are we here? We're here for one purpose. It's to glorify God. It's to worship him. It's to lift him up and magnify him. But but aren't we supposed to? No, no. The only thing we're here for is to glorify him. And you can't do it. You can't do it. In a sinful body. Say, but Joel, I'm going to sin. I'm just like King David. I can, I can do the right thing for so long, but one day I'm going to look and I'm going to see and I'm going to fall. Yeah, that's right. That's why God put Christ upon the cross. That's why God took his perfect son, the only one that ever could do the right thing, and placed him on that cross on your behalf so that you would have a way to come to the Lord and say to him, have mercy on me, God according to your steadfast love. According to your mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me from my sin. 
cleanse me from my iniquity. I know my transgressions, and you do too. And my sin is ever before me, as well as you. You see, church, honesty about who we are illuminates who he is. Did you ever think of that? Honesty about who we are intensely illuminates who he is. Have you ever noticed that on Sunday morning, when we're singing songs, that bright spotlight up there goes out? On every Sunday morning, when I start to sing a song, when I flip to a song, if I flip to one right now, that big spotlight would go out. These lights back here would change. Those lights up there would drop down. It's all because the masters at the back have figured out how to do that. When we sin, the light of God continues to go down. When we are in and of ourselves trying to work this mess out ourselves, the lights continue to go down. But one day when we come to the realization of what we've done and who we really are, because that's what happened to King David. Nathan said, you're that guy. You stole that little sheep. You took that man's property already had. David, king of Israel, you did that. You're the man. When we get intensely honest and come to the realization of who we are, that's when the lights go up on who Jesus is. This comes from the message, but in the middle of Psalm 17, or I'm, so, I'm sorry, Psalm 51, the one where David repents. David said these words, and I'm giving to them to you not in the King James, the NIV, or ESV. I'm giving them to you in the message, and the reason is because it speaks so incredibly well to us. David says this, I learned God. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's attention. Let me say that to you again. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. The day that somebody came up to me and said, you are the man. The day that somebody reminded me that I was a sinner. And when my pride, my humanness, my I'm going to do it on my ownness got broken down. My heart was shattered and I recognized the deepest need that I had. I needed my life to be ready for a love that God couldn't fail to take notice of. That's when the light illuminated who he is. The pride was shattered. Nathan confronted David. David's lie was revealed. His pride was broken. The only place on earth that he could find the love he needed was in the person of Yahweh who came to you and I in the person of Jesus. Church, have you ever been honest about who you are? Have you ever been honest about who you are? I had somebody, <laughs> I've got a younger brother. You know, fa Facebook's good and Facebook's bad, right? Facebook's good and Facebook's bad. I've got a younger brother. I was looking the other day at my, my profile on the Facebook thing. And it said there, you know, that I have a daughter. <laughs> it said there that I had, you know, a, 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 a brother, had a sister-in-law. Do you ever have that one in your family? He's, pr he's probably going to listen to this. He drives me nuts. 
he's out of his mind. He says things I'd never say. He does things I'd never do. God love him, and I do too, but he drives me bananas. Want to know the truth? I'm just like him. And I think the reason I don't want anybody to know about him is because then they'll know about me. Here's the thing. God already knows. God already knows. When we get honest about who we are, that's when the light goes on on who he is. And we recognize that we can't do it ourselves, but we sincerely and truly need a Savior. That's when the best happens. You see, everything David wanted to be, he could not do on his own. Everything David wanted to be could only be done because God did it. And that's true for you and me too. I'll leave you with that thought. Amen. We're going to sing How Great Thou Art and say a benediction. Thank you for being here today.